Well, hey everyone, welcome to episode 123 of F-Stop Collaborate and Listen. This week's episode features a landscape and travel photographer from Switzerland living in Bend, Oregon. Let's say hi to Christian Hebe. For years, Christian Hebe has been touring the world as an independent travel photographer. The native Swiss photographer has been living in Bend, Oregon since 1996, where he now lives with his wife, Regula. Over the years, more than 200 illustrated books have been published on the more than 80 countries that he has traveled and photographed. Christian runs the Cascade Center of Photography and operates landscape and travel workshops all over the world for both United States customers and European customers. Christian and I covered a lot of fun ground this week, and I think you will really enjoy it. Uh, Just a quick warning, there is some profanity in this episode, and I would even go as far as to say that Christian is a controversial fella. (laughs) Let's just put it that way. All right, well, before we get started, I want to make a really quick announcement. We're really excited to announce that we have finally reached our $1,000 a month goal on Patreon, and we have officially launched our Landscape Conservation Award, which is up to $1,570. The F-Stop Collaborate and Listen podcast Landscape Conservation Award will recognize a single individual photographer who is highly involved in conservation issues within their local communities or within, within the landscape and nature photography community. We are still looking for nominations for the award, more donations to increase the size of the award, and sponsorships from brands. You can nominate yourself or someone else through the Google form linked in the liner notes. So far, we've been able to get support from the following incredible companies. Thanks to Shimoda Designs, an adventure camera bag company uh, creating amazing gear for photographers like us. Shimoda is donating to the winner of the Landscape Conservation Award a bag of their choice, a core unit, and a roller and accessory case. In total, a $779 value. Uh, Thanks also to Viewbug, a popular photo sharing and contest website. Uh, Members of Viewbug can submit their photographs to specialized contests and win amazing prizes. Viewbug is donating a Viewbug Pro Plus membership to the winner of the award, which is a $179 value. All right, let's get to the show. Christian Heap, thank you so much for coming on to the show. Well, thank you, Matt. Yeah, cool. So I guess we can, uh, for people that don't know who you are, maybe just kind of introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about yourself, um, you know, like where you live and all that kind of fun stuff, and okay. tell us a little bit about like how you got into this crazy photography thing. Uh, okay, well, I didn't know any better. <laughs> That's uh, how I got into this. It's like I, I tell people basically I'm a photographer, so didn't get a decent job, so I became a photographer. I don't know anything, <laughs> but that's kind of a little pushing it. But I'm my yeah, my name is Christian Heeb. I'm uh, basically a travel photographer, and I've been up in uh, Bend, Oregon, Central Oregon, for over twenty years. Uh, but mainly on the road. I mean, we live in Bend, uh, but we travel a lot for uh, international publications. I'm originally from Switzerland, 
as you probably hear from my language. <laughs> and, well, yeah, and I got into it. I actually was trained as an architect in Switzerland. Yeah. But, that you know, when I, um, I, I, my dad was an architect, so I was supposed to follow and take over his company. But that would have meant that I was had to stay in Switzerland the rest of my life and had a little house where, you know, with little kids and stuff. So I didn't really feel like doing that. So I became a photographer and left. <laughs> so you're kind of a you're kind of a rebel. Uh well, yeah, probably. <laughs> and I, <laughs> it's just it's, Switzerland is like seven at that time it was like seven million people. Right. So it's a it's a tiny country, right? In the middle of Europe. It's beautiful and rich and everything's perfect, but it just kind of felt claustrophobic so i actually came to the u.s for i wanted to photograph native americans oh wow and and that's with my wife um then was my girlfriend regular i mean we came in 1986 and traveled one and a half years to the states doing landscapes and native americans and that's how my career started um, then that's how we became professional photographers really awesome how did you get interested in uh native americans um, probably that thing about freedom and just like, if you're living in a really close knit society and it, it felt claustrophobic. So the idea of that wild Indians on the big plains, you know, the kind of all the old paintings of Carl Bodmer and Kathleen, all those people, it's just kind of, it, it was like my escape as a kid when I hated my school, I hated my teachers and just <laughs> I felt horrible. <laughs> you know, instead of shooting them as you do here, I just said, I just leave. So that's how I got to the States, right? Nice. So you've been doing uh, professional photography for what, like over 20 years now? Yeah, like 90, uh, 89, we basically turned the corner and became professional. Wow. So 30 so years. It's, uh, 30 <laughs> years, yeah. Wow. So it's been a long time. Yeah, that's awesome. And it was, it's good. I mean, it's still good, I guess. I bet you've uh, I bet you've seen it change quite a bit over those 30 years. Oh, man. Yeah, but I, I think it's like the last 10 years really changed a lot. I mean, I think maybe 20 years of basically just running and doing our thing and then i think 9 11 was like the first little knit when we felt there's a change coming and then of course the the, the financial crisis and the whole digital took over and i think the last 10 years were kind of yeah, the writing was on the wall that's going to go downhill right um so but then we just adjusted uh, to it but i mean i think the first 20 years was just easy sailing at least for us <laughs> yeah i was gonna say it i think on your website it says that you've you've got like over 200 uh photo books which i think is quite quite an amazing accomplishment because i think most of us would be happy with one photo book <laughs> but yeah, I mean, but it, it was because the Germans, I, I'm, although being Swiss, my big market was like Germany next door, which is over 80 million people. And the Germans, they're big travelers and they had, you know, so many different travel guide companies and uh, coffee table book companies doing travel. That's really, I had my big break. I mean, I, I published things in, in Switzerland, but then I got my breaks in Munich, Germany. And then started working for the Germans, really. That's how I made most of my money. And my most of my books, like probably 90% of my books are published in Germany. That's really kind of uh, unique. I have some in the U.S., but the, the, the U.S. book market was already declining when the Germans were still going strong. 
now they're declining too. They're always kind of behind. When when did you see it start declining in the United States? Well, '86 when I came here, it was still you know people like David Munch did all these great books for graphic arts in Portland. And I think maybe 10 years, so like, let's say 96 bit, you know, till two, oh, well, after 2000, probably. I see. Because it's, I, you know, who buys a coffee table book? I think it's art books that are done as um, kind of like photography art right. things that will be bought, you know, for from serious artists. So you may buy any Leibovitz book, maybe. Uh, but travel books i mean you look at them on your ipad and i mean who buys a how's a actually a coffee table book it's been i think by the early this century it was already declining here they yeah. only have like this you know f- the most beautiful place in america you have to see burritos digest for 1999 or national geographic things uh germany still did books on you know like iran or uh, Cambodia, huh. or Morocco, which most Americans wouldn't even know where those places are, but the <laughs> Germans <laughs> would actually travel there. So that's I, I did ninety countries that we traveled to and, and photographed. So we did books on you know Argentina and Morocco and all those places. Wow, what are like your top three? <laughs> um, well, I mean, I was. The U.S. was basically one of my favorite places because of through the beauty of the the landscapes. Yeah. So you know the Southwest or even Oregon, and then it's probably Argentina and Southern Africa, uh, Botswana, those places. Yeah, I've always wanted to go to South Africa and South America. I think those are all the photos I see from those places. Always just make me go, "Holy cow, that's amazing." Oh yeah, I know I do. I mean, there's so many beautiful places on the planet, but it always depends on what you want. So, in terms of scenic landscapes, the US is like on the top of the list, and then you got parts of South America or um that's probably some of the best landscapes on the planet, northern Europe maybe. Um but if you want wildlife, of course, then you got to go to africa <laughs> right i was gonna say there's a lot of interesting <laughs> wildlife over there <laughs> oh yeah i mean the megafauna in, in africa or, I mean, it's it's a beautiful planet really there's so many beautiful places and so many fucked up places too it's oh, amazing. thanks to humans right <laughs> yeah exactly yeah we're like a locust yeah it's kind of sad like i feel like uh, it's just depressing sometimes thinking about kind of the status of where things are at right now in terms of just, you know, you hear about like the Endangered Species Act is getting oh. c- cut and all kinds of crazy stuff. So, yeah, yeah it's yeah, you, you just have to ignore it at this point, because otherwise it will ruin your life if you think about it too much. <laughs> it's yeah, I don't know. I, me personally, like I kind of have a balanced approach. Like, I pay attention to it, but I try not to like worry a bunch about it but i mean you know i'll write a letter to my senator or something but so how old are you i'm 40 okay well yeah so younger yeah i was gonna say maybe uh maybe in 10 years i'll be more cynical yeah no it's good i I always think it's good if the young people are optimistic they really need it so it's like it's (laughs) yeah i think in the 80s we, that was already we were always having all these discussions about you know the acid rain and the forests and the cars and global warming 
and we actually kind of felt like we can change something because out of the 70s came that movement of changing things and in the right. 80s we thought we can actually do it and then al gore was you know was the vice president when clinton finally got elected and we thought this then he'll get president and he kind of it, it, we have a chance but after bush you know the the, the shrub guy from texas who already thought this is really bad and now I, I think it's done. It's it's toast. I mean, even if you fight it, I think it's too late to fight it because even if you change things to the positive, like at least Obama tried a bit, then the other idea comes in and just screws it all up. And it's I think it's for me it's too late. So I just say, okay, I'll have probably twenty good years. I'll just enjoy them, and then we'll see what happens. Right. Well, speaking of. <laughs> 20, 20 more years having having kind of seen kind of the arc arc of history in terms of uh, photography and the business of photography I'm kind of curious where you see the future of photography as a business heading um well I, I I gave it a lot of thoughts that's why like 10 years ago Regal and I we started the uh, Cascade Center of Photography in Bend where we do you know the workshops and that's how I got to know David Cobb and people like Sean Bagshaw or Kevin McNeil um, but doing teaching things and workshops and we do tours in Africa and whatnot. And that was actually for us, that was like a lifesaver from the declining stock business and the books and all that stuff. So that was kind of like tied me over from sure. a declining business to a booming business. But looking at it now, it's like every photographer on the planet is doing workshops and photo tours and all these companies that try to make money off of photographers by, you know, combining all these tours and charge you money or come up with a great app, how you can do better photos or market your stuff. So I think the photographer, the money is not really in the actual photography of photographers. It's basically to kind of pull all these would like to be photographers and make money off of them. So, so I mean, I don't really see. It's like coal miners. I think that came from David Cobb. It's like <laughs> it's an it's it's an obsolete business because wait till those phones get so damn good that basically you shoot with your iPhone, and you have this app that basically already senses what you want to do, and it uses all these trillions of photos on the internet and kind of creates that photo that you always wanted. And then you upload it to a stock agency where it gets sold 50 times for 10 cents. It's, I think <laughs> it's, 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 I think that the whole thing of photography in that sense of making money by taking pictures for somebody will be gone, but there will be stars and people that know how to manipulate the media to be like the rappers uh of photography it's like these people that be out there yelling the girls will all show their booty and show how cute they are and they're going to be the best uber photographers and some of them will rise to the top and they will make millions by being like this person that every other photographer wants to be oh that sounds like instagram <laughs> yeah, yeah it's pretty much that's pretty much what it is it's like it's just crap and the biggest crap gets on the top <laughs> And that makes all the money and all these really good and creative, insanely good photographers are kind of like at the bottom with like 400 followers starving to death. I was going to say, are, are we, like, mean, I, I are we already there? <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah, we are. And I think it's only the beginning of the end. I mean, that's why I'm, I'm really negative about photography per se, because it's even 
if you do this really amazing series, you photograph little groundhogs on the ground with the pups, like nobody ever did it on the planet. And it gets goes to all that social media. Everybody will look at it and say, wow, this is amazing. It's great. And you get, you know, 2 million hits on it. But the next day, another guy shot moles. And the mole photos are even better than the groundhogs that this guy shot. And you're already forgotten. So you have no chance. Even if you're really good, you, you have no chance. So it seems to me like uh, the future of the business side of photography is more on like how how can you harvest or harness that energy or that direction that's heading and capitalize on it? You know, like, like if you're a software person or if you can code, you're probably going to be oh, doing yeah. pretty good. Exactly. But if yep. you're trying to sell a ton of prints and stuff, probably not so much. No, no, exactly. That's exactly the point. Uh, there's still money there. And if, yeah, if, if if you know how to do it, how you come up with the perfect app for this particular thing, whatever that works for, it, it, maybe just for half a year and you make all the money you ever need. <laughs> there you go. But being a, a classic photographer is done. I mean, that's, I think it's, it's really, it's past, which is, it's, it's in a way it's fine. Right. I mean, even I look at people like Annie Leibovitz and you look at her history, there's so many coincidental things that happened why she became such a famous photographer mm -hmm. and not everything she, she did was so good i mean later she's very creative and she, she knows how to shoot people but i mean holy shit if you get like five of the biggest hollywood stars and you have a budget of you know like two hundred thousand, i think i could come up with a pretty good shot of those five famous people you could give uh you could give oprah a third arm i think i remember seeing that photo of hers <laughs> <laughs> where she like, her staff photoshopped an extra arm onto Oprah on accident. Oh, well, that's classic. Yeah, like, because they yeah, like clone stamping and they just totally screwed it up. Wow, that's classic. It <laughs> tells the story. I mean, <laughs> no, you know, I mean, I read that biography on uh, Jan Venner, the guy who started Rolling Stone. Oh, okay. That was really enlightening in terms of what he. What, what they talk about Andy Leibovitz, how she came to be when she toured with the Stones and stuff. And it really opened my eyes to, you know, I mean, well, if you're in that scene and you sleep with everybody in the band, of course, <laughs> you can shoot them all naked, right? I mean, you get all these photos, which, you know, I don't want to diminish her legacy of what she did because she still actually, you know, got great photos. But that you have to be at the right place at the right time and work. I mean, she, she always worked, and it, it was just it was timing and persistency, and obviously she's a great photographer. But I think she's she is that uber photographer that we all think is like, oh my god, it's the, the, it's just she was lucky too. Like probably all great photographers are in a way lucky. Well, I was gonna say like that's actually um, kind of a recurring theme on the podcast. I've a lot of the people I've talked to that are successful. Um, most of them don't credit their success to, you know, being the best photographer or being, you know, being like a super hard worker. Like a lot of them attribute it to coincidence and being in the right place at the right time or meeting right. the right person at the right, right. time. Or, right. And uh, I just, I hear that over and over again. It's just really, it's just really interesting how that works. It's true. That's why you should never suck up to a famous person. I think he's special. It's just, he was just lucky. <laughs> <laughs> right, I was gonna say, especially now. I mean, there's so many talented photographers out there that, I mean, you could, 
I mean, really, like the general public, I feel like could kind of you, everyone kind of stacks up pretty evenly nowadays. I mean, obviously, there's tiers of you know uh, excellence. You know, there's like the amazing and there's excellent, but like the oh, the okay. lines are getting harder and harder to define in terms of you know differentiation. And I just oh. I, I feel like you know a really That's good photographer. True. Like the best best photographers aren't really all that much better than them. They just right, yeah. I mean, I have people on my photo tours that I mean, a I learn from them because some of them know they have some stuff technically that I never thought about. That they ask me, do Christian, you know, do you do that too? And I said, holy shit, I have no idea. And some of them, <laughs> they take incredible photos. Some of them, you know, the photos are just amazing, and it's just amateurs. Um, I think it's the massive, you know, a professional photographer. I always thought is a guy that can basically, out of any situation, he can get a good photo and he can do it persistently, just consistently over the year. He just keeps shooting and he's always delivering professional results and he keeps doing it. A lot of the amateurs, they, they get really good shots, then they totally blow it. It doesn't matter. And they don't really have to, you know, keep going and progressing with the same amount of good quality images. I guess that's a pro. He just kind of keeps cranking out those great photos, kind of like Van Morrison, whatever he sings, it's always good. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's interesting, like how different people define a professional photographer too, because, um, you know, a lot of people think it's like, Oh, it's somebody who earns like the majority of their income through photography. And to me, it's like, right. I, Personally, I don't know, like there's lots of people that earn the majority of their income through photography who are A, not that good at photography right. and B, aren't very professional individuals. Right. right. I mean, but they're in a way professional because they make a living doing it. So, you know, as a pro, but that doesn't mean they're good photographers. I know a lot of photographers have been living off the photography for years and they're really shitty photographers in a way. But It's interesting, so right? It's kind of, <laughs> yeah. It's just, <laughs> but it's like musicians. I mean, he's a professional musician. He plays at weddings, you know? And another guy creates his incredible music, but he's starving and he lives, uh, you know, through a hedge fund or something. I don't know. Or he, like, lives out of his truck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, it's, yeah, it depends on how you define it. The, the problem is as a photographer, anybody is a photographer now. So it's like, there's no title or anything. Everybody's a photographer. Yeah. Well, one of the things, uh, you know, based on kind of how you got into photography, you know, traveling a lot, I think you kind of have um, an interesting blend of images on, on your, in your portfolio. You have a lot of travel photography and you have a lot of landscape photography. And I'm curious from your perspective, I guess, from pursuing them and also uh, your approach to shooting them, how are they similar and how are they different? Well, I, I, in my book, as a, a travel photographer, as a guy that basically shoots anything, because it's travel related so when i was shooting for all the, all the magazines i was basically i had to deliver motel room shots and i had to get food shots i had to get people shots i had to get a stunning landscape as an opening and skylines and nightlife so you have to learn to do anything you know everything to, to shoot everything good mm. 
And then you, you, every photographer has like his preferences, things he really likes to do. So I love doing the landscapes because basically in nature, I'm just alone. I love mornings in nature. That's just me and, you know, wildlife or birds and just the beauty of being in, in nature. But I also really like shooting people and, and then even nightlife, you know, shooting nightlife in Harlem and all that's really exciting. So that's why I'm a travel photographer because I kind of like doing them all. Yeah. But if I would have to choose, obviously it's it's simple and easy to shoot landscapes because you don't have to deal with people. <laughs> right. It's, it's a variable that you don't that, have to worry about. Exactly. Because if you want to photograph people, it's always sometimes when I did we did these long tours with Regal and we would shoot, you know, like six states of the US or something. And sometimes I saw a person that looked really good for a photo, but I didn't have the energy to go ask them and work with them because I just knew I can't just go in and shoot him. I have to deal with him. And then he will tell me his life story. And after I photograph him, we'll talk about stuff and he wants to me to follow up and he wants to invite me to a beer. And, and I just <laughs> didn't have the energy to deal with him. <laughs> so, you know, I just want this photo. I don't want to marry him. So... This is true. Like, it's funny. I have a friend of mine. Um, I've traveled with him a couple of times, um, and we went to Iceland together. And he has a gift. Like everywhere we went, he'd run into somebody who he thought was interesting to photograph, and he'd give them their business card, and he'd shoot a photo of them, and even have them like sign a photo release, and and like, right, and he would exactly. come away with these amazing photos of people in the landscape, you know. And, um, and me, like, it's hilarious because I'm an extrovert. I love people and I love hanging out with people and talking to people. But when I'm out taking photos, I don't really like to mess with that stuff a lot. Oh, well, well, that's, yeah. I I mean, I I like doing it. It's like part of it. I mean, sometimes the right person just walks into your shot and then you just have to get a model release and things. I did that for years, Yeah. but it's, yeah. And it's, it's depends on your mentality too. If you're geared towards this, like when I was shooting my dreamscapes, wherever I went, I would see like this perfect model or this tattooed girl or this perfect car and these things because they, they're always out there, but you don't see them because your perspective is just now I'm I'm geared towards shooting flowers with mountains in the backdrop. Right. But if you're like, your mind is brother and then suddenly you see all these people, you see just a tourist and she just walks right through and say, oh, she'll be perfect to put her there. <laughs> It's kind of your mind. It's your mindset, and you have to be open to it. Yeah. Well, I feel like that's a pretty um, easy segue to talk about your American Dreamscapes series. Um, I uh, had some fun looking through your gallery on your website for that project, and uh, I gotta say, man, it's it's really interesting work. Um, like, it's not it. What's what I thought was interesting is that it, it all kind of follows a similar theme, but all the photos are a little bit different too. Um, and uh, but it almost all kind of tells a story. So I was kind of curious, like what mm-hmm. were kind of what were you trying to accomplish through that series of photos? Um, well, it started for the years when I was shooting America for for the Germans. I was I always had this vision of what America is like that I couldn't really put together for my coffee table books on the beauty of America, national parks, skylines, beautiful Indians and all that stuff. So I was in the back of my mind, I had always these ideas of shooting a series of something kind of like a 
a motel road trip kind of thing. Yeah. But it, it's just never blended, right? And with film, it was hard anyway. So it's just never happened. I shot some scenes where we did like a Route 66 books where, where I went with a pink Cadillac, 62 Cadillac, and we traveled the route and got photos and I, you know, get some photos of people with the car and all that. So that was like a beginning. But then we digitally got so much easier to manipulate photos and, you know, shoot the scene, but then shoot different parts of that one image. Yeah. In like, in, you, know, you make sure that person in the back is perfect and the person in the front is perfect and then you blend it. But when I bought the studio, um, like nine years ago, we bought a, a property in Bend, Oregon because the market here totally tanked. So we picked up like a unit that was so cheap. And I started the, the Cascade Sound of Photography with a gallery, a photo studio, um, and had like a guy working there. And it was just like a local photo studio, gallery, and workshop center. And so I had a studio, but I never really shot studio. Okay. I had no clue about lighting all that. So I had to learn the lighting doing you know portraits of real estate brokers and stuff like that which was interesting but then i got into oh, kind of fun. the whole yeah. strobis thing and i read some books and I looked. so i suddenly had all these lights in the studio so i started there was like one beautiful girl that that i started to photograph because tony the guy that has the brewery here asked me to shoot his girlfriend just like this tattooed woman so i shot her and i thought well maybe I should start this series called High Desert Noir with her, right? And then women, you know, especially those type of women are really flaky, so you can't do a series on one woman. So I started shooting other people and other girls because girls are always available. They all want to be photographed and they want photos. So it's it's very easy to approach them and photograph them. So that's how I learned my lighting. Then I started setting up scenes. Well, I wouldn't say... All uh, girls are <laughs> w- want to be photographed. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, not my wife, but like ninety percent of no, not all of them. But I mean, as I think women are more. I think it's a, I don't know if it, it's I, it's probably something they didn't get enough love from their their parents or whatever. It's just like to, to hear that they're beautiful, and I mean they are. But I mean, it's just they like to to get the attention. And especially younger women, they just kind of like being photographed. And it's not all of them, but a lot of them. If you ask a guy, it's I, I photographed a lot of guys too, but they're more difficult to photograph because a they don't they, they want to be the you know the big cool guy and the muscle guy and whatever they want to attract girls, but they don't really want to be photographed. That's too girly for them. So it's actually much harder also for a guy photographer like me to ask a guy to be, to, you know, you walk up to him and say, well, I thought you were really good looking. I would like to take pictures of you. So they kind of look at you weird. No, I get that. But for women, you know, it's it's just easier. But obviously I had more. T- I had a hard time at finding males for my scenes and that was much easier to get women. You know, but I, I kept telling the women that always said you shoot too many you know too many women. I always told them, yeah, bring me guys, bring me good looking guys, and nobody ever brought me one. So, <laughs> so did you? I mean, did you pay these models to to be in these photos, or how did that no, work? Some of them I did, um, but I think ninety percent of the people I did not pay. Okay, because it was just because I got because you get into a certain scene like in Ben, most people wanted to be in my photos. They, it got kind of known in the area so 
they would actually thank me for being my shot. So it was so it was good because I didn't really make money off this thing. So I gave them, you know, they got publicity, they got photos. Some of them I paid because there's this certain person that just wanted that guy or that, that woman in that shot and she wanted to be paid, so I paid them. Uh, but I think 90% I didn't pay. And so much because I knew they had no money, I, you know, I sometimes just paid them. So, yeah. Uh, because I know they need it, right? So, well, I, I mean, it's there's really interesting photos. Like it kind of has a, I guess I could, I would say, kind of like a slightly uh, retro feel to it. You know, like, um, like it's definitely classic Americana. You know, like almost feels like I don't know seven seventies and eighties kind of a kind of a feel. I, I don't know the old cars. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, like gas stations and trailer parks right. and like people smoking a lot of cigarettes and it's, <laughs> exactly. yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. And like the, I don't know, they're just, there's just like a lot of really interesting photos. Like, what are you, what are you trying to do with this series? Like, are you going to make a, a book out of it or like kind of what have you done with it? I, well, I, I do have a book. Um, it's published by uh, Edition Panorama in Germany. It's German and English. So like, they did a book, and I have two calendars for last year and this year that came out, also in Germany. And I had a big, sh- I had like three shows in Europe with big glass prints um, that I got published. And there was some of the photo magazines, but it's not really, you know, it's, it's, it's really a creative thing that was important for me just to do i just wanted to get this vision of america out and I, I a lot of my old demons i could bring out like my parents were heavy smokers my sister smoked i hate smokers so i have all these smokers <laughs> then i have like a lot of christianity but I, I went to catholic school as a kid i hated catholic school i really hate catholic church so i brought a lot of crucifixes and i got this whole religion thing in some of the images of like american prayer the girl with the gun and the cross in the back and all that so i could it was like psychotherapy it's kind of like woody allen i could get rid of my old demons <laughs> shooting all that <laughs> you have this uh this one shot in here that's um a picture of a girl sitting on a, a velvet red velvet chair in front of a fireplace and she has a pistol up to her head and then there's another woman like almost like a it's almost like a the devil on her shoulder or something like dressed all in black like holding her head that's just like a really interesting shot oh like the cat woman kind of yeah 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 Yeah. helping her to shoot herself it's like yeah it's it's we built i didn't we did a a few scenes in that house and that actually was regular's idea she said, this is too light, what you're shooting. You have to make this much heavier. And she said, why don't you have her have her sitting up there and have the girl shoot? It? She probably wanted to finish, so he was hoping she, the mother shoots herself so we can wrap up. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's just, I, I think America has so many problems, and it's not just America. I think it's the Western civilization is like just so screwed up by this excessive capitalism the morality is just gone and it's just we're living through a, a, a really weird period yeah i mean and, there's uh, all these people in you know like poverty or lower middle class that are just trying to scrape by like i feel like a lot of your photos here are kind of trying to paint paint an image of that type of lifestyle right. as well it, it, yeah it is it's like this redneck america that nobody shoots I mean, it's 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 pretty much the 
I call it like the darkness on the edge of town. Kind of, it's it's the surroundings of Bend. Bend, this t- city is like this bubble of people in Zubarus, you know, driving with the like, big boxes on the top, go jogging all day long. You have all these trust fund people. You have all these these super sporty, rich people here in Bend, but they're surrounding by this old redneck America and all these workers that you know do the lattes that got paid shit for what they're doing and they they can't afford anything here but it, it's all here i have all these rednecks just around my house and you know i've befriended quite a few of them they're, they're nice people <laughs> they're just poor suckers they have no chance and i kind of shot that that's what about, about my theme it was like i call, they call it my redneck series <laughs> uh, uh, i mean that sounds a lot like where i live in durango like <clears throat> You know, it's a, oh, yeah. it's you know, a lot of people move here to be close to the outdoors, and there's a lot of people with money that live kind of in the inner core of downtown, right. and then we're kind of surrounded by all these rural communities that have been here for a long time, oh. and they're ranchers, and right. and uh, they don't have nearly as much money as you know the people that are em- immigrating here, and it's just super, it's a very interesting culture to be oh, in. That's- I could imagine it's the same in Durango. Yeah, because like everybody comes from these beautiful San Juan mountains and everything. It's so nice, it's beautiful, but yeah, and you're surrounded by all these old ranch people. Yeah. Wow. <clears throat> so, yeah. That's- One of the things um, I noticed um, the workshops that you do, um, it seems like you kind of like to blend the travel photography and the landscape photography, which I think. I mean, maybe I'm just living under a rock or I'm not paying attention, but I feel like most people that do photo workshops don't have that style of workshop. And I'm curious if I'm accurate. And then two, um, how do, how do you do, do you find, how do you find that the participants uh, like that type of format? Um, I, well, we have like two companies, right? One is Cascade Center of Photography for the American market. And then I have like my heap photo which is the German website, which basically mm-hmm. caters yeah. to the Europeans. And it's like, sometimes they converge and sometimes they don't. So like Patagonia is a, is a tour that we usually have like Americans and Europeans because it's mainly landscape and the place they all want to go and they're all foreigners there. Um, and for the longer trips in the US, I have Europeans, but for the shorter, like a week longs, I have Americans. But so in terms of landscape and people, um, we just found people that kind of like that mix instead yeah. of just go and shoot Death Valley. We do it locally where we just shoot, we just go, I mean, with section F, we just do Cradle Lake, right? So we get people for that. But I find there's there's a lot of Americans too. They kind of like to have that combination, go to Croatia. They, they like to shoot the cities and the people and the landscapes. Mm-hmm. So we just found clients. They know me now, and, or even David Cobb too. They know we kind of like that mix. Yeah, and so they, we have a lot of clients that come back to us, like for a lot of European clients that come. Some of them did over ten tours, and they come almost every two years uh, to yeah. different countries, right? Because I keep changing my program, uh, so I, I just don't want to do, you know, Scion in the fall or do Death Valley. Right. And I just don't feel like doing that. It's just too boring for me. And if I'm bored, then I bore the people that come with me. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> I see. I see, like one you have here that's like super interesting is you have a, a deep south photo travel tour in end right. of October, early November. And it's like yep. an interesting mix of, you know, cypress swamps and then New Orleans and Mississippi mm-hmm. River and the oh. Blues Highway and plantation. Uh, yep. mansions and all kinds of crazy stuff combined into one kind of workshop i think that's really interesting uh, i mean that thing sold out instantly like it's a two week with the europeans from atlanta we go through tennessee some of those archers and places nobody really goes to but and memphis all and then we have the week in the cypress swamps and that was just full i was surprised i thought nobody will come to trump land but they all came and then the Americans, I do a week with David Cobb where we only do New Orleans, the plantations, and the swamps. And that's, we have a huge waiting list. Wow. And that's yeah, cool. It's so, but it's, it's so weird because I thought, you know, I just, I just want to do it and see what happens. And everyone wants to come and they like that mix, I guess. And the cypress swamps, you know, it's kind of, you have to know where the big trees are. And you have to have canoes and you have to know where you're going. Otherwise, you do like a commercial tour and you, you're right on the I-10 and it's really boring. So I think because we go into places that people can't find on their own, um, they're interested. It's different. It's like there's 2 million Yosemite in the fall tours and there's really not much going on in the South. Yeah. I think think I was talking to David Cobb and he was telling me about, I think it was Arkansas. He said Mm -hmm. it's like one of the most beautiful places he's ever been, but like he, he doesn't think anyone actually wants to go there and take photos. No. <laughs> no, yeah. We have a client from Arkansas that comes all the time. But yeah, Arkansas has no, I guess one of the things is it's something that people can envision or have, you know, it's something in their mind has to, it has to be there already. And I think the big cypress swamps is something that people have an idea about. But Arkansas, besides Bill Clinton and maybe Monica Lewinsky, there's nothing really there. <laughs> that draws you to Arkansas. There's nothing. It's like, I, it, it comes up blank with most people. Even if it's beautiful, it's be- you know, the Buffalo River, there's beautiful spots, but the, people throw a blank when they think about Arkansas. If you think about the swamps yeah. in Louisiana, New Orleans, there's all these things come up, you know? All the movies yeah, and, I, and I, those, the, the swamps, it's just magic. If it wasn't so damn hot and humid, I think I would love it. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I mean that's why we go in November, right? Right. It's like it's, uh, at least over the, November, December is perfect. No, yeah. it's great. Yeah, it can be. It gets. It gets cool. It gets pretty cool that time of year. No, that's cool. That's no, awesome. It's like, uh, oh no, but yeah, you don't want to be there in like in the summer. <laughs> yeah. Pathetic. So, would you say that um, the photo tours is kind of your main source of income now? It, yeah, I mean it's. It's been the last years, it's been 50 50 now. I mean, once it, it, 10 years ago, when it started the center, the, the photo tours were inching up and inching up and inching up. And now it's it maybe, maybe it's like 60% now or 70% of my income is probably the photo tours. And what it's, you know, every, every year it gets higher. What's what's the remainder of it? Uh, it's still because I have you know my ton of books. I still oh, have all these books. They're still selling, so I get uh, money out of those, and I get money out of my calendars. So there's still calendars in Europe and some here. Then my stock agencies worldwide, and I have a note card series, Native American note card series that creates income here. 
Oh. And there's also the Germans from all my backlist of books. I get money because the, the, the German state collects money from all the copy shops and all the copy machines and oh, really? whatever. So they, so they collect like millions and then they give it out to um, photographers and artists that basically have their photos published. Really? That's that's it's a, it's quite a lot of money just out of that. So kind of it's like a social program they have. That's kind of cool. So I, oh, it's it's great. I mean, it's, because everybody steals your photos, so they basically preempt it and uh, collect money for you. Yeah, that would be awesome if uh, if the United States had something similar. <laughs> but you have it, but you have to be a billionaire to get it. Right. Right, right. Well, speaking of your your photo tours, um, there was a quote on your on your website um, that said, uh, "Christian always willingly shows participants the top spots." And um, I know you've been around photography for a long time, and you've seen it shift and change, and you've probably noticed the impact of you know the increase of popularity of photography and. And how many people are visiting oh, locations yeah. and things like that? And I'm curious, kind of, what's your take on location sharing and kind of what role you play as a as a workshop leader in that whole uh, piece of the puzzle? Right. Um, well, I think if you're doing workshops and tours and you have people pay you for it, you have to give them all your worth. I don't think, you know, I would, if, if some guy asks me about a technical question that I know, I tell him what I know because that's what he pays me for. And the same thing is with locations. I tell him where the best spot is that I think is the best spot. I tell him you can shoot anything I shoot. You can actually, I'm actually telling him it can be in front of me. You don't have to watch out for my tripod because I don't really care, but just move it. So I think that's my, that's what I really want to give the people the best experience. That's all we care about because they pay me really well to do this. And in terms of things that I don't want to share in a way because I wanted to protect it, I just don't go there. Or places that I think are so overrun that my clients will be pissed because there's too many people Mm -hmm. and things. I avoid those. And I try to bring them to places that I can be, you know, in good conscience show them. Because I know every photographer, you know, when, once they start walking through the desert and put up their tripods, stuff gets hurt. That's just what photographers do. And if there's wildflowers, some will get trampled. And if I think it's not a good idea to go there because of concern for nature, I just don't go there. But all the other places, I try to give them the best possible experience to go there. That sounds kind of cheesy, but <laughs> I, no, t- I, I don't like taking people, you know. I mean, if if they pay me for something, I just feel obligated to tell them. And I, I think photographers that kind of, there's, there are some photographers I know in, in Europe. I mean, they will say, well, I'm first. I take my photo here. You guys have to stay back. Really? And, and oh, yeah. I mean, they're like, because they're like these big, I'm like this big star photographer. They think they're really special because they're like famous photographers or whatnot. And I find that so stupid because the moment you have to do workshops and you take money from these people, that's the moment when you're maybe not such a great photographer and the star photographer because you actually need the money from these people. So if you take the money, you have to deliver. And that's just very basic. It's like regular. I mean, we, we kind of, I, my hope is that everybody comes home and is happy 
Right. Which sometimes it doesn't always happen. I mean, sometimes to people that's just not because they they suck you dry because when you know if you're too nice they they just take it right. That's humans. Um, but <laughs> but I think like ninety percent of all people we always had are always very nice and great and some of them good friends. So it's it's good. And you have like maybe a few that, that just kind of they have their inner turmoil. They have their own issues and they have their own problems. So. Just let it go and forget about it. But I'm curious, have you, when you've been out in the field um, with as a workshop leader, have you ever like encountered another workshop group and had any conflict? Like, like, oh, we're here, and like, who's gonna shoot the scene? And like, have you ever had any issues with that? Um, not too much. There was once a Chinese group sitting right in the middle of that little wave in the Valley of Fire, the wave that you actually oh, want to shoot. Uh-huh. But then I just walked up and told them, everybody gets out of the wave and we all shoot from here and because Chinese are really no authoritarian, you know, how it goes. They basically just all behaved and they all came out of the wave and we all shot it together. So that worked well. Huh. But mostly if you, I think if you talk to people, if you talk to another workshop leader, it, it's it's usually not a problem. But maybe Europeans had one Swiss group in the southwest that came to the same place we wanted to shoot, and they didn't know I understand German, so they started fussing about us. Said, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, so basically, like these fucking idiots over there, they have no clue what they're doing, and they were speaking German and understood every word. So I kind of told them off, but that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's funny. <laughs> yeah, I've I've heard some interesting stories of um you know workshop leaders like yelling at other workshop leaders and all kinds of crazy stuff out in the field. I've oh. I've only witnessed a few small things, but it sounds like you do a lot of tours. So I was just curious if you've had any weird issues like that. I I do not that many tours. I mean, we do yeah, we do a lot of tours, but they're all in different areas and like like Patagonia, some of these places. There are simply not that many photographers there. And the places that get really overrun, we just avoid now. Right. It's like the south. And I try to find new places that other people then later can copy and not do the stuff that they're all doing. So I, I just want to stay away from them. I know I, I, I really hate photographers. It's probably not good in a in a photographer <laughs> blog, but I'm I just that's what I tell people. I just I hate photographers because they almost tell me, Christian you know, so-and-so, actually his brother is a photographer. You should meet him. I said, no, he's a photographer. I don't want to meet photographers. They're so boring. <laughs> yeah. You want to meet other people like painters or writers or whatever, but photographers is just, everybody's That's a photographer. Funny. And a lot of them are really dull people. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious, like um, what, what photo tours do you have coming up that you want to tell people about? Um, well, we have like one spot left in Switzerland, which will expire in like five days because some guy just canceled. But um, no, I think we have the, the one, the things that I do with David Cobb down the road, I think it's exciting. The one in France, um, where we're going to go to, but part that nobody goes to from the US, like Northern France, Brittany, and the Loire Valley, awesome. which is stunning lighthouses and cliffs and things. And it's just, for some reason, they haven't figured it out yet, um, how great it is, and maybe it puts them off because it's France. But that's one we like to, I like to, uh, so it would be a cool one. And the other one with him is Andalusia and Southern Spain will be kind of 
nice. But we have quite a few with, with David and for my end, I think a lot of them are sold out. Cool. That's good. Well, winding down, who who do you think would be um who do you think people would want to hear on the podcast? Um yeah, I thought about it a little and just I mean two people in Oregon that just came to mind. Um one is Bruce Jackson. It's like an old Oregonian. Well, it's not that old. It's my age, but it's uh, it's <laughs> uh, Bruce is a local photographer in Bend, Oregon, and he's been doing like the classic David Munch type nature photography, you know, with large format cameras. Now he oh. went to digital, but Bruce is kind of like a very deep sand like nature photographer that I would like you to feature. It's just an overall totally nice person, and the other Oregon photographer would be uh, uh, Greg Vaughn. Because he wrote those uh, great uh, books on Washington, Oregon, where to photograph, um, and he basically knows probably every tree by middle name here. And also, same thing. He's just such a nice guy. So I thought those yeah. two would be probably good for you. Yeah, I really like his photographing Oregon book. It's helpful when I lived in Portland. <laughs> totally, totally, yeah. and it's it's just a super that was just super nice guys that's why i moved to oregon because the people here are so nice right? <laughs> they are <laughs> well awesome man this has been a lot of fun i uh really appreciate you taking the time to, to chat with me oh pleasure i thank you matt it was fun i'll probably look you up when i come through uh through colorado when you do the colorado tour yeah you there. might have to meet a photographer <laughs> <laughs> yeah well <laughs> that's true that may be a little bit of a drag yeah you don't want to do that <laughs> Yeah, no. Otherwise, you have to talk about f-stops and lenses and stuff, right? Right. Cool. Well, awesome, man. Thanks. Well, thank you. All right. Well, thanks to Christian for taking the time out of his incredibly busy schedule to join us on the show and for his uh, colorful and uh, awesome commentary. (laughs) I really enjoyed uh, talking to you, Christian, and I hope that everyone else did as well. Uh, If you enjoyed the show, uh, please uh, go ahead and leave us a review over on iTunes. It really does help other people discover the show, and I love hearing uh, what you guys think. Um, And if you do, uh, let me know, and I'll send you a gift. Seriously, I'll send you something. Um, All right. Also, please make sure you you can join the conversation over on Nature Photographers Network, or NPN, and over on Patreon. Uh, There's been some great comments and great discussion uh, worth checking out, so uh, head on over to NPN. And um, if you want to hear some more bonus episodes, uh, head over to Patreon. Unfortunately, Christian and I weren't able to record a bonus episode. Um, You probably heard hints of... uh, my dog barking and whining at the end of the episode there. Um, I kind of had to cut the conversation short because my dog was freaking out and I had to go take care of her. So um, sorry about that. Well, um, I'd also uh, like to give a special thanks uh, to the people we like to call our Patreon podcast producers. Uh, These amazing individuals contribute at the $20 a month level and higher over on our Patreon page. And um, I'm trying to do more and more stuff for Patreon supporters um, as as best I can with the limited time I have for the podcast. I've uh, I've got a I've got a, a Google Hangouts uh, scheduled for people at the twenty dollar month level and higher, and um, I've been sending out stickers to people and personalized letters and trying to release um, episodes early for patrons of the podcast. And uh, hopefully, if you just like the show, just 
go ahead and help us out over on Patreon. I really appreciate it. And for those who already have, you guys are awesome. Including Michael Howard, Jack Curran, Eric Stensland, Chris Rice, Jeff Peterson, Charlotte Gibb, David Kingham, who runs NPN, Anton Everine, who is the founder and creator of Arc Panel, which you should definitely check out, Lori Berenson, William Nurse, Ken Dono, Danny LeFrancois, James Bakavoy, Matthias at Photomagica, Richard Wong, Zachary Smith, Gary Randall, who I believe has a really cool uh, workshop coming up in Oregon, which you should definitely check out, and uh, Frank Otto Peterson and Michael Rung. Thank you guys so much, and I hope to see you all in our Google Hangouts coming soon. All right. Well, let's talk about who is coming up on the podcast. Um, I've been really busy scheduling guests and planning future episodes, and I'm just doing this for you guys. So if you if you like what we're doing, um, share the episodes with friends, talk about it with people, and of course, the ultimate way to support us is on Patreon. So who we have coming up? Well, I've already recorded with uh, Tim Parkin uh, from On Landscape Magazine. And I've also also already recorded with Alistair Ben. Um, he's an amazing photographer from Scotland. We've got Ian Plant coming up. We have Dylan Fox, an Australian photographer, coming up, and we have Aaron Nace, the founder of uh, Flearn. Um, it's like a it's a photography learning platform. And we also have uh, Franca Gabler coming up, a photographer uh, from Croatia who does some amazing work in Yosemite. And we've got, got a lot more. I think Rachel Ross is coming on. It's, it's going to be a really great year, guys. So thanks for listening and supporting. All right. Well, one, one final uh, reminder, uh, patrons of the podcast, just to remind you, uh, head over to Patreon, participate in our latest themed photo contest. I think you got about a week left. Um, and uh, the current contest is called Nemesis. So submit those photos that are of your photo nemesis. Uh, mine was uh, Mount Hood <laughs> for me personally um, so basically it's like a scene that you've shot like a thousand times and you've never had good conditions um, I want to see those shots so let's see them over on Patreon on the community board alright well thanks for stopping in collaborating with us and listening see you next week <laughs>